0: This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 115, When Should I Take My Social Security? with Brian Menear.
1: Traditional financial planning is no longer working, and in the new normal economy, your hosts, Mark Willis and Holly Bach, invite you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future.
2: Welcome, everyone. Have a super fun episode for you all here today. I'm your co-host, Holly Bach, and with me here today is Mark Willis.
0: Hey, guys. Welcome. Hi hi there, Holly.
2: <laughs> Perfect. Well, um, we have an episode here we want to go over with you all in regards to wanted to bring on a special guest that knows even more about this topic than we do, um, and that is Social Security, um, if you didn't already read the title, mm-hmm. um, and so wanted to dive into this episode and hopefully get give you guys even more um, insight and value in this area. I know we've done episodes on it in the past, but um, we have a new guest for you, which will hopefully kind of have like new things to say, new Mm -hmm. insights, new information um, for you all, especially those um, of our listeners that are kind of nearing that time or in that time already, just trying to figure out social security and best things to do. Hopefully this will be valuable for you. Um, Our guest today is Brian Minear. And so, uh, Mark, why don't you just share a little bit about uh, Brian, who he is, and and why he has um, such awesome information to share with us. Totally.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some of us have Roth IRAs, some of us have 401Ks, some of us have bank on yourself type whole life policies. All of us, if they're in the United States, are participating in the social security system, virtually all of us, right? Mm-hmm. So this is gonna be crucial and important to your financial future. Uh, Brian Manier is a certified financial fiduciary with over 10 years of experience in insurance and financial services. He has an MBA in from Malone University and a Bachelor of Science in Marketing from the University of Akron. Brian is a uh, Bank on Yourself authorized advisor and assists his clients uh, with many areas of retirement planning and investments. He does specialize in helping seniors plan for retirement and develop smart social security strategies uh, and also provides financial advice and guidance to help individuals weather both good, storm, uh, good times and also bad storms in their financial market. Uh, Brian's particular expertise lies in customized social security planning, designing personalized retirement plans to help his clients achieve their individual retirement goals, and income and distribution planning, which uh, I think is super important. And I think Brian would agree is one of the more neglected areas of most traditional financial planners and advisors. So with all that, I won't make you guys wait any longer. Welcome, Brian, to the show. Brian, welcome to the show.
3: Mark, thank you so much. I am honored to to be a part of your show.
0: Give us a bit of background on your area of interest and expertise in the financial universe. Uh, You have some specific focuses that I think folks need to know about.
3: So I've been in the financial services and insurance industry for, for most of my career. But as far as getting specifically into financial planning... And and doing that, what I have found over time is is I've gathered a niche to help people plan for retirement and specifically helping them with social security planning.
0: And that's where you are today. So tell us, you you do some workshops on social security and enlightening and uh, educating Americans on this maze of benefits that most of us don't really even know about. Um, can you tell me that story that you were sharing with me a minute before our recording where you actually helped someone in a workshop discover money that they were just walking right past in the way of their, their uh, social security benefits?
3: Oh yeah, this was a really cool story. So I, I do these workshops and I teach these seminars specifically about social security. We feel like that is just a huge need because so many people don't understand it. And so as I'm teaching the class, Uh, During a break, I was talking to one of the couples that was sitting in the class. And what I realized was his wife had already filed for Social Security. I realized that he was still working. He had a really good paying job. He was president of of this construction company. And he was past full retirement age, but he didn't want to take his benefits because he wanted to let his Social Security benefits accrue and get the delayed credits. And because of when he was born and through a conversation that I've had with him, we were able to determine that he would be able to go ahead and take a spousal benefit based on his wife's benefit and still allow his benefit to continue to accrue until 70. So basically what that meant was between now, he's 67, and between now and by the time that he's 70, he's going to be able to collect an extra $700 a month in addition to his wife's benefit because basically he's going to get half of his wife's benefit. And because he doesn't want to take his own benefit now, he's going to let his regular benefit get those delayed credits until age 70, which is going to be much higher than what he get if he collect them now. But he's able to get that extra $700 a month based on when he was born, based on the current social security rules. And he had no idea that he was going to get that. So he was pretty pumped just in the, the class alone that he was going to be able to get some additional income.
0: So he's now getting paid $700 a month because he decided to educate himself. I think that should be a lesson for all of us. <laughs> that's exactly That's exactly right. Okay, so Social Security. Um, some people would say there's nothing secure about it, but that might not be so true, right? So tell us a little bit about uh, Social Security. Could it possibly become insolvent? I mean, there was some threats of that last year. Tell us a little bit about the reality of the Social Security benefit system.
3: That's such a good question, because so many people, when I teach these classes, I I ask the question, how many of you are fearful if you haven't started receiving benefits that you're not going to receive these benefits? And usually about half the hands go up. And then I say, well, the rest of you just aren't telling the truth, because what I know from a lot of people is there is this concern. The Social Security, it's going to be insolvent. If you look at the statements, Mark, and I don't know if you've ever read any of those statements, but it talks about how, depending on what year you read the statement, that in 2033 or 2041, that it's only going to have 77 cents or 76 cents to pay for every dollar that is owed, right? And, And so the reason for that, when you look at the history of it, is that when Social Security first started back in... In a long time ago, back in the 30s, what what you knew was that you're, you could get a benefit at age 65, but the life expectancy was only age 63, which meant that most people, just because of life expectancy, were never going to get a benefit. So we know that, first of all, now that's much different. People are living into well into their 80s. And so we're, we're using this model that was created um, a long time ago and trying to apply it today. Okay. Well, a lot of people don't know, though is that the Social Security Trust Fund actually, until last year, actually had more money at the end of the year every year than it did at the beginning of the year. So why do they keep saying that? What is, what is the problem? It's really, it's really two things. Number one is you have 10,000 people a day turning the age of 62 they're they're able to file social security benefits early. And so you have this astronomical number where so many people are now these baby boomers that are becoming Social Security age and, and available to apply for their benefits, that it's just creating this, this stress on the system. The other issue that you have is when Social Security first started, there were a lot more people that were collect or excuse me, that were supporting every person that was on a benefit. So I was actually reading the stat, and it said between 1945 and 1965, the decline in worker-to-beneficiary ratios went from 41 to 4. So that meant at one point in time, 41 people were supporting every one person taking a benefit. And then in the 60s, that turned to 4. And if you look at that statistic now, what you see is it's less than three people working to support every person that's taking a benefit. And so when you have this baby boomer generation that's taking the the amount of benefits it's just it's it's leveling the income but the amount of people taking the the benefits is a lot more than, than what it was now when people say does that mean we're not going to have a system is it going to blow up I don't think so because when you look at the math what it'll show is there's things that they can put in place that they can they can change and of course Congress and, and politicians don't agree on which method to take, but there are things like you could delay for retirement age, right? Right now, if, if it's either 66 or 67, depending on what year you were born, okay? You can delay those at age 70 and get a delayed benefit. Well, I'm 43. By the time I receive Social Security, I think it'll be there, but I think what'll happen is they're going to delay that benefit age in, until later in the 60s or even seventy. You can do things like reduce cost of living adjustments, which, they, which most years they do implement. You could do things like change the taxes on Social Security. So there's a number of things. And if you read different articles and, and you listen to experts that talk about this, it can be fixed. It's just a method of how they're going to fix it.
0: A method and political will to fix it too. Would you agree?
3: for sure and and i think that's part of the problem is depending on what side of the aisle you're on there's different opinions on how to go about it so if you can get some individuals that agree with each other it is fixable it's just how you do it
0: it's like so many things you know it's easier to fix early on it's harder to fix in the future you know what's that old phrase a stitch in time saves social security something like
3: that. <laughs> i think oh. something like that i think you're yeah. right
0: that's so, right you know what makes this so complex for most Americans that we have to have workshops on social security? Uh, shouldn't it just be I work 40 years and I get my check? What What about this don't we understand that makes this um, complex social security system, makes it so complex?
3: It, it's a great question. So when you look at all of the data, there's actually so many different claiming strategies that there's actually 81 age combinations. And when you factor that in, there's more than 567 different sets of calculations that you have to consider. All right. So someone were to say, when should I take my benefit? There's there's different advisors and different people that would say, well, you should always just take it at your full retirement age. And some people would say, no, you should always take it early because if you take it early, you know, you're going to get it. And that way that's less money that you have to hit from your your retirement assets. Or some people would say, no, you want to wait as long as you can Because if you can wait until 70 and you can get those delayed credits, those are 8% increases every single year, then you're going to have more money from social security. And the reality of it is everybody is so different. Everybody has different retirement assets. People are healthier than others. If you have a, a short lifespan versus someone that's going to live a long time, that's going to change things dramatically. Then you throw a different factors mark into what if you're married? What if you didn't work? What if you're divorced? By the way, what if you work in a state like Ohio and you worked for uh, as a teacher or you worked as a firefighter and you're getting a pension from a government entity that you didn't pay Social Security on? So you have all these different factors that come into play to determine what is the benefit going to be and when should I take it?
0: And you've got, no doubt, uh, a number of people reaching out to you asking, you know, when should I take my Social Security? Uh, and so, I guess another question is, how do folks qualify? That's one question. And then, how do you how do you know what you're going to get? In other words, how do you read your statements, uh, your Social Security statement?
3: That's a very good question. So, the first question that you asked is, how do you qualify? Well, you have to have a minimum of forty credits, which is equivalent to ten working years. So that's the minimum that you can qualify to have Social Security or if you don't meet those requirements, you have to be married to somebody that does meet those requirements, and then you can collect what's called a spousal benefit. The way that you can tell what your benefit is, is by looking at your statement that, that you receive, or you can go online and look at that. Now, this is really important because a lot of people really don't take the time to look at their statements, and why that is so important is when, they, when Social Security determines your benefit. They factor in the top 35 years of your working history. Now, what if you didn't work 35 years? What if you only worked 20 or 25 years? Well, what Social Security does is they will take those top 35, but they'll put zeros in for the years that you didn't work. So if you worked 25 years, they're going to put 10 years of zeros and average that in into the formula that determines what your benefit is. Now, what I've actually heard stories, I had a guy was in a workshop and he I was teaching the class and we were going over this and he raised his hand and he said, Well, Brian, what do I do? I I looked at this year and the and if you look at the statement, it lists every year that you worked and the income that you had in that year. And he raised his hand and he said, Hey, I, I found this year that they put a zero in and I made a lot of money that year. Well, guess what? That actually is gonna alter his benefit over time. And that's important to understand, are they making those calculations correct? Because I have heard, unfortunately, stories where social security got that wrong and the person was getting or was gonna get a lesser benefit than they should have just because the year, uh, one of the years or two of the years was incorrect on their statement. So reading those statements, extremely important to make sure that those are accurate.
0: Is there somewhere where I can just go and see when I'm at full retirement age, here's how much per month I'm going to get?
3: Yeah. So, I mean, you can do it now. You don't even have to wait until full retirement age. You can go and and, and even if you're younger, I would, I would suggest that you do this is just create an account online. Uh, just go to ssa.gov and create that account. And then you can It'll tell you if as you're working now and, and if you continue to to work at the pace that you're working right now, what your benefit is going to be. And when you look at the statement, what you see at the top in, in the paper statement is you see three numbers. You see if I take it early at 62, you see what you're gonna get at full retirement age. That's called a PIA or primary insurance amount. Or you're gonna sh- it's gonna show you what you're gonna get if you wait till age seventy.
0: Fantastic. Okay, very good. Um, Are there better or worse ways to file? You know, If I need to claim my money early, what do I need to be aware of there? What am I missing or what what risks am I taking if I wait too long or if I claim earlier? We might not be able to know exactly when we're going to need to take that money to get the most benefit, but just sort of talk us through the decision process for when to ask for our social security benefit.
3: You know that's the that's the question that I get when people come to these these seminars is they they think that if I go to the seminar I'm going to get the magic answer that's going to tell me exactly when I should file because that is the same for everybody. Yeah. And and unfortunately if let's say you're you're looking at two horses mark and you look at one and one horse is your assets, right? You're you're in a room, people have worked all these years, hopefully they have some assets getting ready to retire. And then you have this other horse that represents social security. Okay. Now, the, first of all, the reason why we start this conversation is statistically for Americans, social security is only going to cover 40% of your monthly expenses. So what does that mean for most people? They're going to have to get that other 60% from somewhere else, whether that's if they're lucky enough to have a pension or they have to save enough on their own to cover that. Okay, so that's why maximizing Social Security is so important because you want it to maximize as much as possible. And for most people, that's only going to be 40% of what you need in retirement. So if you had these two horses now, and one of them is, is your Social Security and one of them is your assets, the question is, which horse do you ride first if you retire and you need, and you need money to live off of? And some people would say, well, I should take that early because then I don't want to dip into my assets. And some people should say, no, I should take that at four retirement age or later because it's a higher benefit. And then I don't have to take as much assets later. And here's the truth of that, Mark. You really, ha- it really depends on you individually. And it also depends on you as a couple if you're married. Because some people have a lot of assets and some people have a little bit of assets. And even that alone is going to make a difference as to when you take Social Security. Some people are healthy, as I mentioned earlier. So if you have a situation where maybe you were diagnosed with a terminal illness, well, maybe you just want to take Social Security right away because if you wait, you're not gonna make up what you didn't take early on. Now, some other things that you have to really consider when it comes to Social Security is number one, are you married and did your did your spouse work? How does that come into play? Okay. What if you are, are married and you have a child and you are at Social Security age, and you have a child that's less than 16 or 18 years of age, that can play into if you file that the child can get a benefit, and maybe you can get a spousal benefit that hasn't been filed because of that situation. I think the thing that most people never consider, and I think it's the most overlooked part of Social Security, is factoring what does it look like from a survivor standpoint. Mark, I want you to think about this. Most people, most married couples, unless it's a tragic accident, they don't die at the same time, right? They don't die at the same time, so that means there's a survivor that now all of a sudden you had two benefits and now you go down to one benefit, okay? And there's different strategies depending on how you file. And if you file early, that survivor is going to get a reduced benefit, and so what if you have two benefits that are lopsided? One's pretty high, one's minimal. What if you have different ages that you're marrying, and you're five, you know, five, six, seven years apart? I've worked with couples like this. When you file is so crucial for the survivor. And statistically, men usually pass before their wives. And so that is really important to plan for the surviving spouse. And it's an area where I feel that most people don't even talk about it. And I think it's so crucial that you do. So, all these factors come into play when you're trying to figure out when and how you should file for your Social Security benefit.
0: And you're right. I've met clients whose uh, spouse tragically passed away, and their underage children were receiving a survivor benefit uh, up until their age 18 to help them fund college. Most folks don't realize that that's even a possibility.
3: For sure. For yes. sure.
0: Now, we've talked about how to claim and you know when to file. And again, it is a murky soup of options for sure. And it comes down to each person's circumstance. Let's fast forward to a day where we're getting our Social Security money. Tell, tell us some creative financial strategies you've used uh, to put that money to best use. Is everyone just taking their Social Security benefit and paying groceries? Or buying groceries, or are there other more creative ways you can put that money to work?
3: That's a great question, and for some people, the answer is yes. Uh, just with their situation, they're they're taking their benefit and and they're buying groceries, or they're they're paying their their prescriptions. But there are some interesting things that you can that you can do. So, for example, Social Security is taxed based on what is called the provisional income statement. For the provisional income. And there's a bunch of things that you add in there that are gonna determine how much of your taxes are paid federally on your social security benefits. Now there's two things that, that are not part of that provisional income that I talk about when in, at the workshop and I list all these things and I always ask what are the two pieces that are not on there? And the two pieces that aren't included in there are Roth IRAs and distributions from cash value life insurance. So if you can get part of your income, remember what I said earlier, Mark, that you need to, um, I said earlier that most people are going to have 40% of their expenses from Social Security, so they have to get that money from somewhere else, right? So if they're getting that money from somewhere else, that may determine or increase the amount of taxes that they pay on Social Security. So when you ask, what are some things that you can do? Well, one of the things that you can do is some of the IRAs that you have, You can take those and convert those to Roth IRAs. Because if you take those distributions later from a Roth IRA, that could lessen the amount of taxes that you're paid on your Social Security benefit. Or another thing that you can do is if you have enough disposable income where you don't need a lot of that income that you're receiving, there are different forms of, of life insurance or even cash value life insurance that you can use for legacy play. And if you do that and you want to leave behind money to your kids or even to a nonprofit, man, I think that's a much cleaner and better way to use a a cash value life insurance or even a life insurance vehicle to pass down wealth versus trying to pass that down in the form of an IRA. So a lot of it, again, just depends on your situation, what you're trying to accomplish and, and how much of that income that you need to live off of each month.
0: You're right. And what does the taxes do on Social Security if we make too much from our four hundred one ks or our part time job at Walmart in retirement? Hope you know, God forbid. Uh, but uh, <laughs> what is that tax?
3: Yeah, ninety percent or ninety plus percent of people are going to pay eighty five percent of their benefit. So whatever their benefit is. 85% of that is going to be taxed at the normal income rate.
0: That's and again, incredible.
3: that's all based on that purpose. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> say, that, say that again, Brian. So 90% of Americans taking Social Security are going to get taxed on that benefit they receive from the government at 85% of their benefit. Did I hear that right? Right. So
3: if you're going to get, yes, yeah, so if you're going to get a $2,000 benefit, 85% of that $2,000 benefit is going to be taxed at your income rate. And that's going to be based on the provisional income, which I talked about before. So if there are ways that you can lower that that particular provisional income, you may have opportunities to lessen the amount of taxes that is going that are going to be paid on your social security benefits, because that's based on a grid. And depending on the income level and the amount of benefit that you receive, when they add that in, there's different tiers. So if you get into a lesser tier because your provisional income is lower, you're going to pay lesser taxes on your social security benefit. And again, two great ways to do that, Roth IRAs and cash value life insurance. You take a distribution from a cash value life insurance policy that is not included in the provisional income. So when you take your social security benefits, you don't have to add other types of income. If you're, if you're taking money from social security and from the cash value life insurance policy, it So can lower the amount of taxes that you're paid.
0: So, You know, we have a lot of folks listening who are not average in the way they get income. So it could be that they're getting rental money from apartment buildings. That would be counted as provisional income.
3: Pretty much everything else is, and that's why ninety percent of the people. Because if you hit a threshold, if you're married of over forty-four thousand in that provisional income, you're going to pay eighty. You're going to your taxes are going to. You're going to pay eighty-five percent of your taxes on your social security benefit, as I mentioned before. And so that, yeah, all the other income does is included
0: wow so for everyone who has all those passive income streams from their online business or their real estate or their dividend checks from their brokerage account or you know in their lemonade stand or their part-time job right in retirement years all that money is you know essentially going to be put up against that social security benefit and the government gives gives it to you and then they take it right back in the way of taxes that's that's crazy
3: it frustrates so many people when we talk about how taxes are applied to your benefits and they, they just go crazy because their FICA taxes are what funded Social Security and then to turn around and get the benefit and have to pay the taxes again, it really frustrates a lot of people.
0: It makes a lot of sense if we're down to just four people covering one recipient and you know if the statistics hold true, it's going to be closer to two working people to cover every person on, on Social Security in the near future, um, what do you see as, what are you going to do with your own social security? (laughs) Right. Well,
3: when I get to that point, I mean, a lot of it's going to depend on my still working because then you have to look at things like if you are still working and even if you want to file early, then you have what you have to worry about called the earnings test. And if you hit the earnings test before you are for retirement age, then they're going to reduce some of those benefits or hold back some of those benefits that you would receive. So there's just so many rules and in, in, in so many factors. But what I would tell you, Mark, you know, you being a, a a planner and someone that's working with people on on financial strategies, planning even early on can help you later on. Because if you put your money in tax-advantaged vehicles now, that can lessen the burden that you're going to have later on. And so being smart now is going to be really crucial in what happens 20, 30 years from now.
0: So you're describing doing the heavy lifting today by putting money and paying our taxes today, for example, in a Roth IRA contribution or a life insurance policy, the way we talk about with bank-on-yourself type policies. What you're saying is, You're getting a number of benefits in the future, not just the guaranteed growth of the cash value, not just that it's tax-free in retirement, accessible tax-free. You're also talking about sort of this hidden benefit, which is you don't get your hand slapped on your social security benefit when you take the money out of your life insurance or Roth IRA.
3: That's absolutely correct because it doesn't affect the provisional income. Now, here's the thing, too. I know with you, when you're when you're working with your clients and the, and the people that are in your office, you're talking about where tax is more than likely going to go. And so if you keep that same mentality and you think, OK, yes, taxes are probably going to increase later on. We also talked about early on in this discussion that guess what? We have a problem with solvency for Social Security. So what's an easy way that they can they can help that problem? Well, they can, they can increase the taxes on the social security benefit. So if you can get to a place where you can affect your provisional income in a way that it's going to be lower, you just set it, take some distributions from a cash value life policy, or you can even use those Roth IRAs, That could that could potentially lessen the burden just on the social security benefit alone.
0: So when I look at a life insurance policy spreadsheet, and when a lot of our clients look at these illustrations and tabular detail breakdowns of here's how much cash value is going to grow. A lot of folks are going to rightfully be stunned at how uninterrupted compound growth looks over a long period of time. But the analysts and the engineers sometimes will say, well, let's see, I'm seeing a you know middle single digit returns here. I could do better in my mutual funds and my 401k. Brian, what would you say to that person?
3: Well, I would say okay from a, a rate of return, possibly, but when you factor everything, it may not look as attractive with those other vehicles that you may think it does. So if you are looking at advisor fees, and you're working with an advisor. Now you have to add that and, and deduct that from your rate of return. Taxes is a big thing. And I know you talk about this a lot, but when you look at taxes and you know that those distributions from that policy are going to be tax-free, or your Roth IRAs are tax-free, guess what? Not only does it matter with those distributions, but that could have an impact on your social security benefit as well. And it's more predictable.
0: Wow. And and we have to, so we have to factor in the price of taxing our social security into the rate of return of our 401k. Absolutely. Wow. That's tremendous. What else do we need to know? And then I want to make sure we leave our listeners with uh, ways they can get in touch with you, Brian. So what's the if you could leave our listeners with a core message or one or two actionable takeaways from this episode, what would you want them to know? And then finally, let us know how we can get in touch with you.
3: I would say that distribution planning, especially as you get closer to retirement, is so important. It's something that I preach to people all the time. How you take your distributions especially at that age is just as important or maybe even more important than trying to just chase after a rate of return.
0: Define distribution Define distributions for So a distribution so yeah, that's a a, a thank
3: you. So if, if you have a number of different accounts, let's say you have a 401k, let's say you have a cash value life insurance policy. Let's say you have a taxable account. Let's say you have a Roth IRA. Okay. So a distribution means okay, you need a certain level of income that you can live after you're done working to make sure that you keep the lights on, right? To make sure that you have food in the refrigerator. So where do I take those distributions first? How much do I take those distributions? And also what does that mean if the market drops? Okay. How do I plan for that? You can't accurately determine when and how you're going to take Social Security if you don't even know how much you need to live off of and if you don't have a plan of how you're going to do that. One of the things that I preach at the very beginning of my classes, and I say this is a theme that you're going to hear me talk about over and over. Social Security should be a combined effort with retirement planning and not in silos and i think too many advisors and too many people treat them as two different things and it should really be combined into one effort how do you know the maximum amount that you can get or even plan for social security if you don't know those other elements well it has to be a combined effort so i would say that's first and foremost and i think the second thing is is And a lot of people can't do this. So work with somebody that knows the rules of social security. I had a woman come into my office that she was a divorced and she was a widow. Okay. from Two different people. And she didn't even know about the divorce benefit that she was able to get while that she was living. And even while that she was working because of her current situation, guess what we were able to do just by making her aware of that benefit. Affected her income dramatically. And so, don't try, in my opinion, just to go out and and read a bunch of articles and think that you know Social Security. There's too much at stake. And we're talking tens of thousands of dollars for a lot of people just by knowing certain rules and being aware of certain benefits that you're entitled to.
0: Sure. I mean, if you knew you could delay your credits and get an 8% a year increase in your income between your full retirement age and age 70, that'd be worth knowing about if nothing else. So, fantastic. Brian, um, tell, uh, tell us a little bit about where we can learn more and if you've got a way for folks to reach out to you if they'd like to discuss this further with you.
3: Yeah, thanks, Mark. So, if somebody has a question on Social Security and they're trying to figure out, okay, when do I take this? I'm getting close to retirement. I'm in that range. Maybe I'm, I'm approaching 62 or I'm 62 and I'm trying to think of man, should I get, take this now while I can get it? Or, you know, I hear about these 8% delayed credits. That's pretty compelling too. Should I wait? Feel free to reach out. Uh, you can reach directly at our office at Keystone Financial Group. Number is 614-300-9501. And, and you can schedule with the person that answers the phone, um, have, them, have them set up a time with me. If you are listening to this this uh, discussion today and, and you want to reach out, I'd be happy to even run a free break, even analysis for you. Meaning if you file a certain time period, and you want to know, okay, well how long do I have to live to, to make up for the years that I didn't receive a benefit? I'd be happy to run that for you and just give you some information on, on what that looks like for your situation.
0: Tremendous. Very helpful, Brian. Thank you for your time and what you're going to contribute to, I don't know, the financial uh, uh, non-awareness, I guess, of this thing that we're all participating in. If we have a a wage job of any sort, we're already in the system. We might as well know how to put it to our advantage. Uh, Just like the banking system, this is a social security system that we need to be uh, sure that we're sitting on the right side of the desk with uh, advocates like yourself. So keep up the great work.
3: Mark, thanks so much for your time and letting me be a part of this discussion and appreciate what you're doing as well.
0: 500 calculations just to figure out what your social security is going to be? I mean, that's just bananas crazy. So uh, again, thank you, Brian, for uh, being on our show. Uh, Holly, what were your thoughts? What were your takeaways from this episode?
2: Yeah, I guess obviously there's a lot that can be gleaned uh, from the episode. But just, you know, real quick. One thing I just, I think so important uh, for people and and not only social security, but other areas as well, but specific to this and what he was sharing is that there's, there's no one cure all right. Um, And I just think that it's, it's so tempting for human nature, you know, I think it's like in us to just be like, okay, well, we have all these options. There has to be one of these that's the best. Um, And yes, there is for you, but that may not also be for the next person and the next person. But I think we want it to be the best for all. Um, and so I think, you know, it's like we go online and we Google, you know, best time to take Social Security. And I mean, you'll find it. You'll find articles. I've seen them um, where people will say this blanket statement, this age, this time is the best time to um, take your Social Security. And this is the best time to start claiming. And this is the time to to submit, but then defer and, you know, this and that. And like they'll, they'll make blanket statements of like what is best for all. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's really wise that... Um, you know, Brian kind of has the perspective of like, no, there's so many variables. There's so many things going on that it's not going to be, this is best for everyone. Rather, it's going to be, um, you know, you have to figure out what's best for you because your situation's different. I mean, things like your health can affect it, like what your current health is and um, all, all sorts of different factors. So just think that that's really valuable to, to keep in mind.
0: So good. Yep. And, uh, you know, I think it's important to also mix Social Security in with other sources of income and making strategic plans now before you're in retirement, let's say, Mm -hmm. Uh, or even if you're already in retirement, what can you be doing with those dollars if you don't need to use them, spend them, for example, on groceries? Mm -hmm. So... Uh, so many good things. And again, thank you, Brian, for being willing to be on our show today. We really appreciate it. Uh, any final thoughts, Holly?
2: Yeah. And I guess also be thinking about how to not get your social security tax at 85%. Big time. That's a big deal. Uh, I mean, that's, that's huge. I mean, we complain about tax rates, uh, you know, just like income tax rates at, you know, 30% or whatever. And we're like, that's ridiculous. That's outrageous. Rebel, you know, and it's like, well, little did you know, <laughs> you've got like an 85% tax that's either currently hitting you or coming. So yeah. uh, Uh, Keep that in mind and see, um, you know, be thinking about what you can be doing with your assets to make sure that that's not the case. Um, But yeah, so just kind of some helpful information for you guys. Hope you've enjoyed the episode and just want to say thank you for joining us for another episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future.